quick, snappy. Right. Just a quick reminder about the art workshops on the 15th and the 29th, 7.30 to 9. Um, so get yourself signed up on the back. Uh, we've got quite a few, a good number so far. But I'm sure there's loads of people that have spoken to me about it. And get some of those names down. It just helps me to organise equipment, materials, and make sure everything's, everyone's catered for. And I'm not running around like a mad thing trying to sort out things. Yeah, very good. Quick, snappy. <laughs> I can guarantee you that's not going to happen. Um, three things. Number one, book in for New Day. If you are a youth member and you want your life to be changed, or if you're a parent to a youth member and you want their life to be changed, book into New Day now. Uh, secondly, Weekend Away is happening on the 6th to 8th of April. Again, if you're a youth member and you want your life to be changed, or if you're a parent and you want your youth member life to be changed, book in now. Message me or talk to me at the end. Uh, the third thing is that next Sunday evening, we have our termly youth service called Pyromania, where we invite all the youth, not only from Seven Oaks, but around the region to come and to seek the Holy Spirit and to see what God wants to say. Uh, we need your help. And I'm, I'm making that very clear. We need help to do teas and coffees. We need help to be kind of on registration. We need help uh, in the prayer team. We need the church's help. So let's gather together as a family and, and serve. Uh, and uh, we also need a lot of prayer during this week. Uh, Catherine's going to be leading, my wonderful wife is going to be leading a prayer team. I'm going to be preaching, so we really need your prayers that I don't say something stupid. Um, but more than anything, which is what I love, I mean, let's be honest, that's, <laughs> that's real close. Um, more than anything, which is what I love, is that God is not an, just an experience. This is, this is what I love the most. God is not just experience. He is the living God most high that wants a deep relationship with us, but more than anything, the youth. And that's my prayer. So please, I urge you, and, I, and, I, and it sounds like I'm begging. I'm not. I, I really urge you in confidence and boldness. We need the church's help for this. Because without you guys, without the church as a family, and without the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do anything. So please, 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 if you're free next Sunday, I urge you, come speak to me, come speak to my wife at the end. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love just to get you on board and see what we can do with this. That was snappy, but not quick. <laughs> uh, for all the blokes that are feeling a bit left out and they get any flowers, next Saturday, there is a, a men's walk and a uh, pub lunch afterwards. Um, so any men who uh, are not already coming are welcome to come along. It's uh, been organised by David Creamer um, and starting at 9.30 Saturday morning at the Spotted Dog Pub in Penshurst. If you want to have lunch afterwards, I think uh, it'd be good if you can let me know, then I can pass the message on and we can add a few more um, places to the table. So Saturday morning starts at 9.30 um, and it's about two and a half hour walk uh, be finished by 2 or 2.30. So come and see me if you want to uh, have the lunch. Otherwise, just turn up uh, on uh, a Spotted Dog at Penshurst next Saturday. Brilliant. You know that um, as part of our vision this year, we're, we're reaching out to the poor and needy, and we're sponsoring five children in an orphanage in Uganda. Uh, and if you want to know more about that, the information is, on the, uh, is in the foyer downstairs, just at the bottom of the staircase. And finally, there's a prayer meeting this Tuesday, 7.30, 7.30 in the evening. If you could come to that, that would be fantastic. Let's welcome Ian.
Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you all again. Glad I didn't put you off last week. Um, as you know, we're going through our uh, discipleship series about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Last week we looked at um, what it was to the disciples study the word of God. I sound like I'm in a bit of a cave up here, but... Okay, that's better. Good. But yeah, we're looking at the importance of studying the Bible. Um, but just before I dig into that, isn't it just good to be together? It's so amazing to be part of the family of God. You know, we're celebrating Mother's Day today, which can kind of highlight all sorts of things that might have happened to us or kind of difficult family situations. But, you know, you're, you're now, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, you're in the family of God. That's amazing. I don't have a perfect earthly family, but I have a perfect heavenly family. And it's just amazing to be gathering together in the bride of Christ. You know, we are the bride of Christ. One day, Jesus is coming back for his bride. And the church is a magnificent thing. I've been to a lot of weddings in my time. And every time, the bride looks magnificent. Went to Jeeves and Catherine's last wedding last year. Catherine looked amazing walking up the aisle. That's a picture of the, of the church. That the church is magnificent. No matter what you think of it, no matter what history you've had in the past, one day Christ is coming back for his glorious bride. And it is a privilege to be part of that. Anyway, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to look in to what it is, again, to study the Bible. This week we're going to look at a passage, a particular passage, and try and dig into that, see what God is saying uh, just to kind of aid us in our studying of the Word. Hopefully you found it helpful, some of the material I sent out last week, um, just to recommend people to read and listen to. Um, but just before I go on as well, this is going a little deeper. Parents, I would recommend, heartily recommend, trying to get the Word of God into your kids. From, from right from the off. Try and engage them in spiritual matters. Try and engage them in the Word of God because there's truth in this. And, you know, when they go to school and start to make their own way in life, the, the world will try and fill your children with junk. And it is our responsibility to fill them with the truth of God. And just a little book I wanted to recommend for parents. Some of you probably already have it. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says, every story whispers his name. We love this book in our house. The kids have been through it several times and uh, as it says, every story whispers his name. Every story, it just brings it back to Jesus. So get, it, get the word of God into your kids. It's really, really important. And make an effort. You know, sometimes we kind of act out stories and really try to put an effort in, not just read them a little story at bedtime and think that's it, but really put an effort in to getting the word of God in to your kids. Really, really important. Okay. This morning... We're going to be looking at a passage from the Old Testament, and uh, it is Genesis 22, verses 1 to 9, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Um, and sometimes we can maybe ignore the Old Testament, really just dig in, reading about Jesus and the Psalms and lovely stories like that, because sometimes God can see, seem a bit angry in the Old Testament, or if we misunderstand what what is being said in, in Scripture. But God is a God who is unchanging. 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we come to read the Old Testament, I will probably say this all the way through, we need to read it through the lens of Jesus. When we come to read and study the Bible, especially in the Old Testament as well, it's important to understand the background and the context. So before we, get, we dig into the Genesis 22, it's just good to have a bit of background about Abraham. Now, Abraham was called out by God from his, the land of his ancestors, called out of the land of Ur. He was originally called Abram called out of his nation by God, and then said, I will bless you and make you a great nation. He's also the father of the Islamic faith as well. But through Abraham came the nation of Israel. He makes a covenant with God. It's like a contract, a binding agreement. And God says to him, you'll be my people, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Every male, as a sign of their covenant to God, would be circumcised. This wasn't a, a visible sign to others, but it's a sign that focuses on the, the importance of Abraham's offspring. The royal bloodline, which blessing would come. And we read now in the New Testament, when we read into the letters of Paul, that now what matters is the circumcision of the heart. I'm really pleased about that. And I'm working on that. Circumcision of the heart. God promised a son to Abraham and his wife Sarah. But it doesn't happen straight away. How they'd hoped. And in Genesis 16 we read that Abraham, Abraham still Abraham, and Sarah tried to solve the problem with, his, with their maidservant Hagar. And to her is born a son called Ishmael. And what consequences that decision had for history. Genesis 17, God calls him out, changes his name. He says, you, you are Abram, which Abram means exalted father. He's got one son, exalted father. Then he changes his name to Abraham, which means a father of many or a father of multitudes. Can you imagine that? Um, yeah, you're a father of multitudes. Um, yeah, I've got... Right, okay. And then Genesis 18, the son is promised again. His wife Sarah laughs, who is 90 years old at this stage. So, you know, probably would raise a chuckle, wouldn't it? You're going to have a son at 90 Abraham's a hundred. But then we read Genesis 1, Genesis 21, sorry, the son is born, Isaac. So this promised son, this much-waited-for son, is one of the main features in our story today. So if you can turn, we're going to read it on the screen as well, but I'd encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis 22, and we're going to read from verse 1. <clears throat> After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah 
and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they, both, so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said, this day on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Let's just pray. Ask God to speak to us through these words this morning. Lord, we love you. We love to read your word. We love to know more of you. Will you come today, Lord? Prepare our hearts, open our hearts to hear from you, living God, today. Amen. Okay. Now, when we read this quick kind of overview of this, we kind of think, how could, how could he do this? How could Abraham do this? How could God do this? And this can be difficult to swallow or offensive to the modern Western person. God of the Old Testament is a bloodthirsty monster, we could think, reading this passage. But as we unpack it and as we try to unpack it this morning, I think we'll see what God is trying to say. When the call comes from God to sacrifice Abraham's son, your only son, we might think that, Abraham might have been mortified by this. This is an insane command. 
But if we think that was Abraham's reaction, then we fail to understand the historical and cultural context in which this is written. In ancient cultures, there wasn't such a thing as individual prominence and prosperity. In ancient cultures, you would wish for the prosperity of you and your family. In the same way as well, if you or your family behaved in a shameful way, failed in some way, the entire family would be responsible. But we live in such a, a different culture today, an individualistic society, um, we struggle to understand what we read sometimes. But I think even as, as you get older, you realise that you are quite inescapably a product of your family. Good and bad. We were, Gemma and I were just talking about that this week. You spend your whole life trying not to be like your parents, and then you end up like your parents. <laughs> Even what the, the, your parents did with you and what they didn't do with you, you are a product of your family. When atrocities happen, mass shootings, terrible things, people will look at the families of the perpetrators and try and apportion some sort of blame, whether what they did, whether either active or passive, what they did or didn't do, some sort of neglect maybe. But, but most centuries and most cultures through the ages have realised that there's a, there's a relationship between the families and had a more balanced view than we do in today's world. And in this firstborn here with Isaac, the whole family's hopes were embodied. He would inherit. He would lead. This was an unmistakable message to ancient people, that there is a debt to be paid. There is a debt over everyone. Your firstborn is liable to how you are living, and their lives are a forfeit unless they can be redeemed. See, if Abraham would have heard, go and kill Sarah, he would have thought, I'm hallucinating. This is, not, this is not of God. But when he called for Isaac to be sacrificed, he knew it was for his sin. And if we read carefully, verse 1, it says, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. He's not testing him because he's not sure if he's got the right guy. He's not, God's not thinking, oh, maybe I should have gone for Lot. He hasn't got a wife now, Lot, but she's a bit salty now. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read through Genesis. But the test comes for Abraham. So we know from the beginning that this is a test. And when the test comes in our lives, it is for our benefit. James 1 2 to 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. We also read in James 1 that God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. He tests people's hearts, and we know this is a test from reading carefully. We have to look at what the text is saying rather than skim over it and can think, oh, this is terrible, what God is trying to do here. 
But when we dig in and read carefully, we can see what God is trying to do and what is really being said. God, verse 1, tested Abraham. And it's about his heart. It's about Abraham's heart and his obedience. Take your son, your only son. First of all, showing us that Isaac is the true seed of Abraham. To the land of Moriah, which means provided by the Lord. Then Abraham begins the call to obedience. Be convicted. There is a call of obedience on your life. There is an upward call of Jesus Christ on your life. And God loves obedience. It's not a very popular word in today's culture, obedience. But God is calling for an obedient people. When God called us to move, we wanted to be obedient. What we wanted and what we wanted to do with our lives were actually second nature because we want to be obedient to what we believe the call of God is on our life. Do you want to be obedient to him? There is a call of God on your life. There is the will of God for your life, and we have to line up with that. And it isn't easy. Obedience isn't always easy. It comes at a cost, but ultimately it's for our good and for his glory. Verse 3, we see Abraham begins the journey for three days. Remember the three days. Verses 4 to 5, Abraham sees the place from afar. And then he goes on to instruct his men to stay, but tells them they will return. He's planning to sacrifice Isaac in the belief that they will both return. Read in um, Hebrews 11, 17. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he'd been told, it's through Isaac that descendants shall be named after you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So Abraham believed. He went up this mountain believing in God that he wasn't going up just to kill his son, but he believed in God that God would provide. Moving on into verses 6 to 8, the journey up the hill. Isaac carried the wood up the hill placed upon his shoulders a symbolic of Jesus carrying his cross John 19:7 Jesus carried his own cross but as we get to the next few verses it can be difficult to digest what God is doing and to see what he's doing but there's a debt to be paid Abraham's sin there's always a debt or a price to pay for crime. Serial murderers, rapists, etc. If the perpetrator doesn't pay the price of justice, then society will pay the price. God doesn't want Isaac to die. He wanted Abraham to sacrifice his heart in Isaac. So it would be clear that Abraham loved God more than his long-awaited promised son. Though this was difficult to go through, Abraham would not have done this easily. 
his character was strengthened, his commitment was deepened, and his obedience was deepened as well because God was testing his heart. So he didn't hold on to Isaac and put his hopes in Isaac, but he put his hope and trust in God. What are you holding on to this morning? Putting before God. If there's, if there's something you think, there's that one thing, that one person I couldn't live without, the Bible has a name for that. It's called idolatry. God wanted Abraham's heart above everything else, and he wants yours too. That thing, that idol can be master over you, where your joy and happiness is found. It could be where you find comfort, relationships, career, wealth, etc. We can be angry or fearful or worried when we don't have that thing. We're telling ourselves we have to have that. What do you rely on for comfort? What makes you feel good? Where, where do you get your self-worth from? If, you answer to any, if your answer to these questions is anything other than God, then you're a slave to it. And it's an idol in your life. God wants us to die to self, surrender everything. Even our me time can become idolatrous. I need some me time. Well, disciples of Christ need him time, not me time. Sure, we all need to rest. And I, that is a biblical thing, that we need to rest. But we need him time, not me time. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be given to you. It's talking about worry. We can worry about all these other things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other worries will be given to you. So just as you wouldn't think a surgeon was cruel for cutting out a cancerous lump out of your body, God was cutting idolatry out of Abraham's heart. He didn't instruct Abraham to kill Isaac in his tent, but instructed him to go on a three-day journey to remove the cancer of idolatry. And over those three days, God revealed to him the gospel more clearly than any other man had ever witnessed or been before. For three days, Abraham will have pondered how God would provide on the mountain in Moriah. But we read in verse 11, at the right time God provided the answer. Verse 11, an angel of the Lord called from heaven. As Abraham had his knife in his hand, God provided. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, <clears throat> Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. There in the bush, 
caught in the thicket, God provided the sacrifice. Abraham's son was spared. The ram was impaled on Mount Moriah, the mountain where later Solomon would build his temple, where a thousand years after that, half a mile from the temple or so, a place known locally as the hill or Skull Hill, another altar was built. The altar was made of wood, but this time it was shaped like a cross, where at the right time, it says in Romans 5, 6, Christ died for the ungodly. Another sacrificial lamb would die, not for the one man or one family, but for the entire world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This father, God the Father, did not spare his own son. There on that hill, another son, a greater Isaac, bowing to his father's will, hung on the cross and took upon himself that debt of sin of all mankind who on his three-day journey died and rose again, conquering sin and death, reconciling you and I, man to God, so that we can receive eternal life. You know you've got eternal life if you're in Christ, if you know Jesus. We've all got eternal life, but the Bible says there's two paths. One road is wide and easy, but one is narrow and not many make it through the gate. And there's a choice to be made. And if you're here this morning, I'd encourage you to make the choice of the narrow, difficult path, because ultimately it leads to eternal life with a living God. It's not easy being a Christian, but he does come to set you free. That Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We believe he wants to set you free this morning from patterns of behavior, from idolatry, from addictions. He wants to set you free. With Abraham and us, this payment of debt, this substitution brings life and not death. Abraham passes the test. An angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The outcome is Yahweh has his eyes fixed on the altar and tells Abraham, now I know for certain that you love me for you did not spare your own son. I promise I will bless you throughout the nations. Abraham's offspring would bless the whole earth. People's lives change as a result of knowing the faith of Abraham. And as we come to faith and know Jesus, these blessings that we receive aren't just for us to hold on to. We're not just here to meet on a Sunday and be in a holy huddle, but they are for us to go out, to overflow to others. For now, your blessings you've received are to overflow now to the people that you work with, to your family, to your neighbours. 
now the blessings are. The blessings are to receive. Will you share it? Thousands of years later, we disciples can tell others now, we know for certain he loves us because he did not spare his only son. It's not an easy message sometimes to relay, but have faith when you do. Because when we open our mouth for Jesus, when we open our mouth for the father who did not spare his only son, he comes in. He meets with us, he fills us, he gives us the words to say. But we have to make that step. And we need to lay at the altar stuff that holds us back. There can be things that we put before, yes, yeah, it's great, we've got God, we know him, yeah, he saved me for, for my sins for eternity, but yeah, there's still this stuff that I really need. I need to get on with this, I need this job, I need this money. If I can do that, then everything will be okay because I've got this and God. No, God says, lay that aside and focus on me. And this is what he was doing with Abraham. He wanted his heart. He wants your heart. He wants you to die to self. I've heard this before saying that Christianity is a free gift. It's a free gift, but it costs everything lay it all to one side and set your sights on him focus on the king of kings and the lord of laws hebrews 12 says let us throw off lay aside every weight of sin that so easily entangles us to run the race marked out there's a race marked out for you and if you can be like Abraham and take those things, that relationship, it could be, um, could be husbands, could be wives, could be children. If your happiness is resting in how that thing is going, God wants you to lay it to the side because he wants you to find your rest, your joy, your happiness, your peace in him. So as we come to the Old Testament, let's read this through the lens of Jesus. What idol, what Isaac do you need to lay down today? I'm going to ask the band to come back up. So I think we should respond to this word today. Because I still have to do this. I lay down stuff that I may have been putting before God, whether it be my own comfort, my own happiness. What is it? Just take a moment to think and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. ask you to stand and we're going to pray Lord we love you we love that you speak to us that you know us 
You know the desires of our heart. Lord, we want to come to you this morning and lay everything before you and say, Lord, will you take away what we don't need, what doesn't need to be there. We want to see the eyes, the eyes of our heart fixed upon you and nothing else. Holy Spirit, come. Come and speak to us now. Just believe this could be a significant moment in some people's lives, that God wants you to take that thing, whether it's your son, your only son whom you love, He wants you to take him up the mountain, sit that place, that home, that job, Were you ready to place it on the altar before him this morning? He wants you to die to that. He wants your heart this morning. Will you come? As we worship now, you feel God is speaking to you about something, then I'd love you to come and be prayed for. Myself, Malcolm, Kim, others would love to come and pray for you. Let's just set set the eyes of our heart upon him. just feel that um, there's some of us here today that need to give our lives again to the Lord you know I do that try to do that on a daily basis say Lord give you my life again today freshly Lord take my life it is yours are you willing this morning to hand over your whole life to him for every, everything not Oh, not some and just save that little bit that you like to control and keep safe but all of it just feel God would want you to say that now and just as a, a sign to him just to put your hands out to him to say Lord I, I want to meet with you I want to see from you today because I'm, I'm going to do it as well I want to give my life again to him today I say Lord I love you thank you that the ransom was paid, the debt was paid, the price was paid by the, by the son who carried his own cross up the hill, who paid the price, the sacrificial lamb who took away the sins of the world, my sin, so that I could be made righteous in your sight. Lord, I give my life to you again today. I say, come and take first place in my life today. Lord, will you make my heart new again, my idol factory of a heart, will you make it more like you today? Lord, just pull out anything from me that doesn't need to be there and make me new again. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for me. You died on the cross. And I want to put that to my account now, right now, and say thank you. And I say, come again, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me afresh. Come and fill us afresh now. Help us be a blessing to the nations. Help us, Lord. Fill us up, I pray, today. Fill us up and send us out this week that we might be a blessing. 
we know that it's not just for us, but it's for the nations, for the entire world. He wants every knee to bow. One day every knee will bow when it meets him face to face, but he wants you to bow the knee today. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you that it doesn't just stop at our salvation, but you want to keep working in us. You want to take out stuff in our hearts that doesn't need to be there. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you, band, for leading us. If there's stuff that you still want to be prayed for, we'd love to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, we'd love to pray for you. In any way, if you want healing, we would love to pray for you. But we're going to have tea and coffee now. If you're a visitor, as Malcolm said, please stick around. We'd love to get to know you, chat to you. Go and be blessed. Have a good week.